Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name's Clint Schwartz. My name, my name's Clint Schwartz. <laughs> I got Southern right away. Oh, you know where this message is going already, don't you? Uh, before I jump into that, though, we do have window decals for your cars that you can buy. They're just a buck. Um, here's the deal. It's a great way to advertise the church. It's a great way to advertise your faith. But if you struggle with road rage, don't buy one of these. <laughs> that gives the wrong message. So I actually like to put them on my car for accountability because I know that the car I just pulled in front of is reading my bumper sticker. So keep your hands down, right? I mean, that's what you're thinking. Keep your hands down. All right, so yeah, they're just a dollar out in the atrium at the welcome desk. Um, also, I wanted to advertise, we're starting in just two weeks, a new sermon series called Kingdom Mindsets, Training Our Thinking. And uh, I'm actually probably more excited about this series than I have been over one in a long, long time. Um, it's come, it comes from the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 which says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Guys, our thinking matters. Our thought life matters. And the enemy of this world has just had his way in the minds of people and in the minds of Christians, I believe. And we've been indoctrinated to believe things that just are not true, true about ourselves, true about our world, true about our God. And so we're going to take several weeks and actually just walk through what Scripture says our mindsets should be, because our thinking really makes a difference. So that's starting in two weeks. It's a great series to invite a friend to. Uh, so I would encourage you, um, if you have somebody that you've been wanting to invite to church, uh, invite them to come in two weeks, and I think that's when we're doing the cookout, too. So it's a great, great Sunday to bring them and uh, have them get a free meal. All right. Does anyone know the actor Chuck Norris? Yes. <laughs> All the guys said yes. Well, I was on the internet, and I stumbled across these facts about Chuck Norris that I didn't know. And so here are uh, this week's top ten. Top ten facts about Chuck Norris, so I didn't know this. Number 10, when Chuck Norris does push-ups, he doesn't push himself up, he pushes the world down. You've probably felt that, you know, sometimes it just the shakes a little bit underneath, underneath you. Number nine, Chuck Norris's calendar goes straight from March 31st to April 2nd. No one fools Chuck Norris. Didn't know that. Number eight, there is no control button on Chuck Norris's keyboard. Chuck Norris is always in control. <laughs> number seven, I, every time I read number seven, I crack up. Behind Chuck Norris's beard, there is no chin. There is only another fist. 
It's so stupid, but it just makes me laugh. It is it's true. When the boogeyman, number six, when the boogeyman goes to sleep at night, he checks his closet for Chuck Norris. Yeah. Number five, Chuck Norris's tears can cure cancer. It's a shame he's never cried. Number four, Chuck Norris can touch MC Hammer. <laughs> Some of you younger folks don't know what that means. <laughs> Can't touch this. All right. <sighs> Number three, Chuck Norris is the reason why Waldo is hiding. You know that one, though, right? Where is he? <laughs> Number two, if Chuck Norris falls into a river, Chuck Norris doesn't get wet. The river gets Chuck Norris. Yeah. <laughs> and number one, only Jesus can walk on water, but Chuck Norris can swim on land. So just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. So this summer, we are walking through the Ten Commandments. Our summer series is called Top Ten, A Study of the Ten Commandments. And you can turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. That's where we're going to be. Um, just a reminder, uh, we've covered eight of the commandments so far. Hopefully you guys are starting to memorize these. Uh, I'm, no, I'm starting to get there. So number one, no other gods, no idols. Don't misuse God's name. Honor the Sabbath day. Honor your parents. You shall, you shall murder. <laughs> there was a mistype there. So you shall not murder um, on my notes. All right, you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal. All right? And so today, um, we're going to study number nine, and it's about telling the truth. And just so you know, those facts about Chuck Norris weren't really true. So just thought I'd let you know that. Yeah, it's, that's, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I already broke the commandment. I know. <laughs> right off the bat. Um, all right, Exodus 20, verse 16 says, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And then in the NLT, it says, You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Now, in this, this commandment, this was really important to the Jewish people. Um, because their law said that you could have someone condemned just by the testimony of somebody else. In Deuteronomy chapter 19, it says, One witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime or offense they may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6, it says, on the testimony of two or three witnesses, a person is to be put to death. But no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. So that was their legal system. If two people testified against you and said you did something that deserved a death sentence, you could be killed just on the testimony of two people. There is a story in the Old Testament in 1 Kings with uh, King Ahab, and this is what happened. There was a testimony against someone, and they were put to death. So King Ahab was married to this, he was a wicked king, and he was married to a, a wicked woman named Jezebel. 
And he wanted to put a garden right beside his palace. The problem was that Naboth owned that land, and he had a vineyard there. So King Ahab went to Naboth and said, let me buy your land. I want to put a garden there. And Naboth said, no, this, is, this was handed down to me, and this has been in my family for generations. I'm not going to sell it to you. So King Ahab decides to start sulking around the palace. And his wife Jezebel comes up and says, what in the world? You're the king of Israel. Why are you acting like this? And he explained how Naboth wouldn't sell his land to him. And she said, I'll take care of it for you. And so she sent these letters to the leaders in the community. And here what happened. 1 Kings chapter 21. So the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city did as Jezebel directed in the letters she had written to them. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth in a prominent place among the people. Then two scoundrels came and sat opposite him and brought charges against Naboth before the people, saying, Naboth has cursed both God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death. So innocent Naboth was killed on the testimony of two people. I mean, this was a big deal in the Jewish, uh, Jewish culture. Now, in the New Testament, the leaders, the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees, tried to do the same thing to Jesus to have him condemned. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 59 and 60, it says, The chief priests in the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. So they were trying to get two false witnesses to say something against Jesus and align those together. And they, and they couldn't get their testimonies to line up. So they couldn't condemn Jesus at that time. See, God hates it when we lie. He hates it when we lie. Leviticus 19 verse 11 says, Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. In Exodus 23, God said this, verses 1 and 2, Do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. And then and Paul said this to the church in Colossae. He said, Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. He says, do not lie. God hates it when we lie. So today's message title is simply, Shall Not Lie. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give us seven benefits to telling the truth. All right, so it's really just one of these messages where I'm hoping that when we leave here today, we're going to be fully convinced that there is not a time when it's okay to lie. And, and really, there are so many benefits to telling the truth, and I'm going to give those to you. Uh, but first, let me pray. So, Father, I come to you, and I pray that you would be in the middle of this message. And Satan, I come against you today because I know you've been fighting against this message all week. And uh, so we just destroy your works in the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, come, have your way in this place, speak to our hearts, open up our ears so we can hear, open up our eyes so that we can see. We need you today, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you can fill these in on your handout if you would like. 
Benefits to truth-telling. Number one, God will delight in us. We tell the truth. Proverbs 12, says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. He delights in people who are trustworthy. God detests lying lips, but he loves it. He loves it. He delights in it when we tell the truth. In fact, in uh, Psalms, it describes that God wants to spend time with us if we tell the truth. Verses 1 through 4 of chapter 15 says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind. You know that to keep an oath even when it hurts is someone who's going to keep their word. Right? They're going to they're gonna say, this is what I said I would do, and I'm going to do it. Or this is what I said I wouldn't do, and I'm not going to do it. And, 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 and doesn't change their mind. Because we said we're going to do something, so we're not going to change our mind. God delights in those people who keep their word no matter the cost. No matter the cost. That's a huge benefit to telling the truth. Number two is it creates unity. And I'm just going to walk down through these seven rather quickly. I could have said it doesn't create division <laughs> when we tell the truth. Because when we lie, man, oh, man, it creates all kinds of division, doesn't it? I mean, dishonesty, uh, just untrue things about people, that, that creates all kinds of division. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Paul was stressing the importance of unity within the body depends on our ability to speak the truth speak the truth in love, but to speak the truth nonetheless. So when we tell the truth, it creates unity. Number three, another benefit. This one's kind of an obvious one, but people will believe us. You ever had someone not believe you, right? When you're talking to them, it hurts, right? It hurts. But if we tell the truth, if we're known as someone who tells the truth, they'll believe us when we come to them. Proverbs chapter 16 says in verse 13, kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value the one who speaks what is right. So when we speak the truth, kings will take value in it. They desire us to speak the truth. They'll believe us. We all remember the story of the boy who cried wolf, right? It's just this idea that if you, if you tell a lie and you tell another lie, when you go to tell the truth, you're not going to be believable. And I think we all want to be believed. Like, you know, I had a bad day at work. Oh, you always say that. No, no, I really did this time. I actually had, well, yeah, okay. I mean, we want people to believe us every time. So telling the truth consistently, that's a benefit. That's a benefit. They'll believe us. Number four, it's much easier to tell the truth. Now you're like, no, no, it's not. It, it actually is easier. 
Let me explain. It's easier to remember, <laughs> right? Like, well, what did I tell them when I saw them last? I don't remember. Sir Walter Scott, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. And I've seen that. Have you seen that in people? Like, you know, they, they get so caught up in their lies, you're like, well, wait a second, that's not what you said last week. And then all of a sudden, they're like, okay, I got to tell another lie to explain the lie that I said last week that's different than the lie I said this week, and it just gets all tangled up. And so it's much easier to remember. Uh, it's a much easier to, to live with ourselves. You know, I don't know about you, but when I'm deceitful, you feel a little icky, right? I mean, it's like, oh, I don't. I don't feel good about that. Paul said in Romans chapter 9, verse 1, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. Paul knew the value of a clear conscience. He's like, no, I'm telling the truth. I don't feel bad about what I'm saying. I can sleep at night. I, I knew someone who struggled with telling the truth. And so this individual um, I could always tell when they, were, when they weren't because they would say, you know, I just can't sleep. I've been having a hard time sleeping. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's have a conversation. <laughs> so what, what's your mind thinking about? And, you know, it was a guilty conscience. It was a guilty conscience. So it's easier to remember. It's easier to live with ourselves. And, and guys, it's easier to explain. The truth, even though it may be unbelievable, uh, the truth is easier to explain versus a far-fetched lie. You know, again, it's just easier. So it's much easier when we tell the truth. Number five, this is an interesting one that I felt like God brought up this week. We align with God rather than Satan when we tell the truth. Hebrews 6.18 says, It is impossible for God to lie. On the other hand, Satan is known as the father of lies. And one day while Jesus was arguing with the Pharisees and other religious Jews, um, he said this, he said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when we speak the truth, I mean, we're aligning with God, the Holy Spirit within us. It's, it's God's native language is the truth. But when we decide, for whatever reason, to speak lies, now we're aligning with the devil, we're speaking his language. We're sounding like him. We're looking like him. And I don't know. I mean, there's a huge benefit to being more like God than being more like Satan. And I will tell you, this has been one of those weeks. Um, I can usually tell. I, our family lives under a certain amount of spiritual attack just because, you know, I'm a pastor and we lead the church. But there are certain weeks that there's just like more spiritual attack. This has been one of those weeks for me. And uh, I'm like, I didn't quite catch it. But then I, I realized, oh, it's because this is his language. Lies, deceitfulness, deception. And so he wants us, Satan wants us to speak his language. And he doesn't want you here hearing this message today. 
So he's been, he's been active this week, <laughs> to be sure. But, you know, good news is greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world, right? So, but yeah, I want to align with God. When we speak the truth, we're aligning with him and speaking his language versus the devil. Number six, another benefit. It helps us avoid an early grave. <laughs> now, let me explain. Let me explain this. In the book of Acts, uh, the disciples were, were selling land and houses and items, uh, the, the, all the, the, the larger group of disciples and uh, the new followers of Christ, and they were giving the money to uh, the disciples. They were laying it at his feet. But there was a, a man and a woman named Ananias and Sapphira, and they sold some property, and they brought the land in. Let me read what happened. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Now when Sapphira came in, Peter asked her about the land, his wife, and she just kept to the same story that her and Ananias had come up with, and she lied about it, and then she died as well. Now, Ananias and Sapphira, their sin wasn't to keep some of the money. That was, her, that was their money to do with whatever they wanted. That wasn't the sin. The sin was that they said this was the full amount. We sold the property, and we're giving you the full amount. Their sin was that they lied, and it cost them their life. Proverbs 12, 19 says, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. And Proverbs 19, 5 says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and whoever pours out lies will not go free. And then in Psalms chapter 5, verse 6, this is pretty harsh it says you destroy those who tell lies the bloodthirsty and deceitful you lord detest now i'm not saying if you tell a lie you're gonna wind up dead you know later this afternoon but i am telling you that god detests it when we lie and it's a serious it's a serious deal to him and lying is not a good way to extend your life Telling the truth gives you the greatest chance of making it to tomorrow. So it helps us to avoid an early grave when we tell the truth. And then number seven, uh, a benefit to truth-telling is it helps us find eternal life. Helps us find eternal life. Let me explain this. <clears throat> Many people today especially in the church in America, um, they lie to themselves about their relationship with God. They tell themselves that they are Christ followers, which 
that they're Christians, but in actuality, they're not. And guys, that's a terrible lie to believe. Jesus said this about the final day of judgment. He said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. These people are rejected on the last day. Now think about that. These are people who are calling Jesus Lord, and they're saying that they cast out demons and prophesied and even did miracles in the name of Jesus. And Jesus is like, "Uh, um, you're giving me lip service. You're calling me Lord, but I'm far from that. He says, only those, this is in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. I was listening to a teaching this past week, and the pastor said that so many times we look at our our faith like we do Uh, we follow God like we follow a GPS. You know how we can put in some address somewhere and we're driving along and and our phone says, hey, take a right. And we're like, no, I'm just going to keep going. And so we, our GPS kind of goes, oh, okay, well, recalculating. Now you should take a right. Well, I think I'm going to take a left and, and I'll eventually get there. With heaven as our destination, we just are like, well, I'm going to sort of follow you, God, but there's a lot of detours in my life, and, and I know you'll just recalculate and get me there, but that's not what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We can't approach the will of God like we do a GPS and say, oh, he'll just figure out another path for me. No, if it says take a right. If God says, take a right, and we blow past that stop sign or that turn, we need to stop, turn around, go back, and take a right. That's what it means to be a follower of God. And we have a lot of people today who are lying to themselves and saying, no, I'm I'm a Christian. I believe that Jesus is my Savior. And People have accepted Jesus as the forgiver of their sins, but they have not assigned him lordship in their life. And it takes both. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It takes both. You have to confess him as Lord, which means to do the will of our Father and believe that he died for our sins. It's It's a both and, not an either or. So how do we know God's will? Well, it's in this book, all throughout this book. And if we're not reading it, how do we know what God's will is? His spirit whispers to us. I'm convinced that if you're a follower of Jesus, you know God's will in your life. 
And he's given us all a conscience that we can decide what is right or wrong. But here's a question I want us to consider today. Whose will did I follow this week? Did I follow my will or did I follow God's will? Did you do what God wants you to do or did you do what you wanted to do? Last weekend, I preached a message on stealing and I didn't think it was going to be nearly as convicting personally as what it ended up being. We talked about paying your taxes, we talked about tithing, and we even talked about like not sharing your Netflix or sharing somebody else's Netflix. And, and I'll tell you, just because it's illegal, I mean, that's long story short, not because it's not normal or that it's not happening, it's just because it's illegal and it's just stealing. And so this past week, I went through and removed myself from all of my son's accounts, which I didn't know I was on so many of them. Um, <laughs> it was costly. Anyway, so then, um, then there was one more, like God reminded me, he said, hey, you have uh, family Apple Music. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I, Rose and I use it, and then you get six accounts, and so I've given them to four of my kids. And, and uh, the Lord's like, well, is that legal? I'm like, I don't care if it's legal. I, I don't want to disappoint my kids. You know what I mean? I still have to pay $14.99 every month just so that Rose and I can have the shared account. Why waste the other four accounts? That's my, think, my thinking, right? And I don't, you know, my kids, they don't have a lot of money. I don't want to take it from them and disappoint them. And so a couple days go by and God's like, really, it's going to be like this, huh? Because my will, God's will, is that you check this out. And my will was I didn't want to disappoint my kids. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll look it up. So I went on to the Apple site, and, and it said that this family sharing plan is for family members. It doesn't say household. It said family members. I'm like, yes, they're all my kids. So it all works, so I don't have to disappoint them. Um, but I had a question you know, this week, the Holy Spirit was asking me, are you going to practice what you preach? Are you going to live by this book, or is this situational? I'll apply it when it doesn't hurt me very much. See, following Christ should cost you something. If all you get are the benefits of following Christ, then I would challenge you to ask God a few more questions. Because it should cost you something. Here's your last feeling. The worst lie of them all is to tell ourselves that we are a Christ follower and not follow Christ. I'm going to invite Emma to come up here. And you guys can stand. Oh, Chris is going to do? Okay. Um, I'm going to read Revelation chapter 3. Verses 14 through 22. 
In this section of scripture, in the last days, God is calling out his church. He wants the church to be the pure, spotless bride of Christ. And in this section, there's these different churches that he's calling out, and, and he's pointing out the things in their lives that are blind spots that they need to correct. And I believe that the church in Laodicea may very well represent the church of America today. And so let me read this. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So according to the scripture, there are three types of people in this world. There are those people who know Jesus who are sold out for Christ, who are doing the will of God the Father. They've accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, and he really is their Lord and Savior. And one day, they will make it into heaven, and they will hear the words, good, well done, good and faithful servant. That's this one category over here. And then we have this group of people who do not love God. They do not want anything to do with God. They don't like Jesus. They don't, have any, they don't want anything to do with Jesus. They may not even believe that he exists. But there are going to be these God-haters, in a sense, over here, who one day are going to spend eternity in hell. That's just the case. But so much, I believe, of the church today is in this center section. They're neither hot nor cold. They call themselves Christ followers, but they don't follow Christ. And God's calling us, if you call yourself a Christ follower, to follow him in everything, everything, that nothing is off the table, whether it's our money or our speech or our friends or our time, our secret sins, all of those things. And what, what Christ is saying is, be earnest and repent. Repent. Because the good news, it only takes a moment to go from lukewarm to hot. It only, makes a, it only takes a decision and a confession and a repentance. And in a moment, you can go from cold to hot. And it's a struggle. 
Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.